ICG Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's episode of High Tech Sunday, our hosts, Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean, sit down with systems engineer for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Demetria Hall, for a conversation on following your passion and fighting your fears. Up first is Corning Incorporated's manager of technical talent pipelining, Dr. Mark Vaughn. Next is Career Communication Group's Senior Technology Editor, Lango Dean. Finally, our esteemed guest, Demetria Hall. Starting from humble beginnings growing up in the small refinery town of Port Arthur, Texas, Demetria always had a love for science and math, despite not having many engineering role models. Hall transferred this love into a successful career as she is currently the flight simulation and STEM project lead and has led the program for the past five years. Knowing the importance of having role models, Demetria ensures to pay it forward to help shape future engineers and encourages them to keep going. Hall volunteers tireless hours of her time outside of work, but feels blessed with the opportunity to use her platform and engage with students on a regular basis while performing her current job role. As a result of her dedication to developing the future of the youth, Demetria is a recipient of the Community Service Award for the 2020 Women of Color and 2021 Bay STEM Conferences. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn and Lango Dean. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, and good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to High Tech Sunday. It is certainly always a pleasure to have the opportunity to carve out some time and spend the time having a conversation with just awesome, awesome featured guests. And the same is certainly the truth today as we welcome Demetria Hall with us. Hey, Demetria, how's it going? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. It is an honor to be here today. Great. So it, the pleasure is all ours for sure. And as I, I guess I sound like a broken record on, on High Tech Sunday, I say that every time we come together with a new guest, it's like the best ever uh, topic that we're covering. And this one is really, in my opinion, so critically important, following your passion and fighting your fears. It seems like it's kind of the opposite sides of a coin. Can't wait to dive in and learn more about that from you as we hear about your story. And to kick things off, it's always great to kind of get the personal elevator speech, if you will. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about your personal background? How would you answer the question, who is Demetria Hall? Well, I will start from the beginning. I am from a small town, refinery town, uh, Port Arthur, Texas. It is about one and a half hours from uh, southeast of Houston, close to the Louisiana border. My mother has been um, very instrumental in setting a uh, Christian foundation um, in my family. She is the glue that keeps us together. My late father was a barber And so all walks of life there. Uh, So I had a very interesting time uh, when I spent time at the barbershop during the summers there. Um, I have a twin brother. Uh, We are like night and day. I have an older sister who uh, still lives in my hometown. Her and her husband run a funeral home business. And so when I was in high school, 
I participated in many, many activities. I was a very active student. I was in the band. I played the flute. I was in the marching band. I was a varsity cheerleader. I also was in the National Honor Society. So I would say that I was a very well-rounded student growing up in this small town. And in high school, I was blessed to be accepted to a magnet program. It was actually a technology program that focused on computer science as well as electronics technology. And I was blessed to be accepted into that program. And that is what solidified my decision to move forward in, in with an engineering career. But I have a funny story. So when I was about 12 years old, I, I asked my mother for a pair of Jordache jeans, right? And if you're <laughs> old enough, you know how expensive those jeans were. And so I remember being in the kitchen and asking her, well, I want, you know, some of those, I want a pair of those jeans and can you get those for me? And her response was, wow, you're going to have to have a, a decent paying job to be able to afford uh, things like that because you have expensive taste. And so my question to her was, what jobs pay fairly well? And her response was, well, I know a doctor pays a lot of, uh, you know, gets paid very well, a lawyer and an engineer. And so I knew what a doctor and a lawyer was, but I did not know what an engineer was. And so I asked her, I said, well, what is an engineer? What do they do? And she said, she honestly said, I don't know, but I know your dad cuts the hair of an engineer at the local refinery plant, maybe we can set up a time for you to speak to him to uh, get more information about what he does in his job. And when I tell you she made that arrangement and a 10 minute conversation changed my life. He asked me if I had good grades. I said, yes, I make A's and B's, mostly A's. And he asked me if I like science and math. And of course I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, you know, you are a minority woman coming up into a STEM field. There's not a lot of you uh, there. Uh, you will probably be able to do well with scholarships and, and things like that. And he encouraged me to go to Texas A&M University, which he had attended Texas A&M University commerce location. And so he really planted a seed in my mind that I could do it. He told me I was smart. He encouraged me. And that was really the first time I was able to have someone to just nurture me and encourage me and to uh, let me know that I can do it and, and, and instill positive thoughts. And from that day, I had decided I was going to be an engineer. I was gonna go to Texas A&M University and I spoke it into existence. My mother is a woman of faith. And so we just spoke it into existence. And I didn't really know how I was going to get there because my family didn't have a lot of money. I, you know, it's, it, you don't really know the how, but I just knew that I had to do this and I needed to find a way to do it. And so he told me that there are grants out there which is free money that you don't have to pay back. If you have good grades, 
and you're able to do well on the SAT or the ACT standardized test, that you can probably earn an academic scholarship. And so that is exactly what I did. I spoke it into existence. I did it, you know, and so he just made me believe that I could do it. And so I earned a, an academic scholarship to go to Texas A&M University and I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, no problem. That was an awesome story. And uh, I'm excited to hear you drill down a little more on, on that, the, the career and, and uh, college pipelining uh, when uh, you uh, speak with Lango a little bit later. Uh, and so that is definitely going to be an inspiration and encouragement to other young people. But the significance of having your mother, you said that she has been the glue. And it certainly sounds like it was more than just, uh, you know, her being a faith talker. She was a faith walker in how it is that she not only um, kind of inspired you to be like, you know what, if you want to have these Jordash lifestyle, you're going to have to make sure uh, that you pick the right career. And so that's hugely important. Some people think that it's a little bit disingenuous when we talk to young people to mention, okay, you want a good job and, and good pay. But listen, that matters. It's not the only thing, but it definitely matters. I can't think of a parent who hasn't had that conversation. They're like, oh, you want to eat steak every day? You better make sure that you get a, a, a job that doesn't involve, do you want paper or plastic? Um, <laughs> and so, so it was high school when you got turned on to this thinking about STEM. So can you speak a little bit about how your faith came into focus even before high school? You were raised in a family that was part of a community of faith. How did that affect you before high school? Because you said you spoke it into existence. When did you grab hold of that in your youth? Well, I'll start with one of my favorite scriptures is John 3, 16. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My mother drilled that into us. I became saved when I was in the fifth grade. I was baptized. And she made sure that we understood the importance of serving God every Sunday, Sunday schools, regular service, three o'clock service, all of that. <laughs> and so we were very involved with going to church and being there on Sundays. That's pretty much what we did for the majority of the time I was growing up. And so when I recite that scripture, it is the ultimate gift. And so I am very grateful that God saw fit for little me <laughs> to uh, provide salvation for me and everyone else who accepts his son, Jesus Christ. And so that was the foundation that I grew up hearing throughout my childhood. And so uh, I have carried that with me. I haven't departed from that uh, as an adult and uh, want to teach my children the same. 
That's a great testimony. Thank you for sharing that. And one of the things that we um, really have enjoyed learning about uh, from our guests on, on High Tech Sunday is uh, their, the spiritual part of their journey, uh, because it always turns out that it has informed them, it has empowered them, it has comforted them during difficult times. And I'm sure that you can relate to all of that. Uh, but you mentioned uh, here you are now an established STEMist. You are a STEM expert, a STEM advocate, a STEM champion, and uh, it's part of your day job as well. So uh, let's dig in a little bit uh, so that we can learn more about your passion and how it is that the fight actually uh, has come into the picture. Uh, You're currently a systems engineer at Lockheed Martin. And one of the things that is really cool is that you worked on the design team for the military's F-35 fighter jet. I mean, for whatever reason, (laughs) whenever you hear about somebody working on these things that you see in the movies, um, you know, and and, uh, Maverick and and, uh, uh, all of that, uh, you you just, you you lean in because you know that it's got to be so cool. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your role and And uh, what was it like to be a part of that team? Yes, I was in wind tunnel and test team on the F-35 during its development, which actually was actually a long run, about eight years being on that prestigious program. I never knew how profound it sounded to other people when I tell them I'm an engineer and I was on the design team designing and building the F-35, which is flying in our military today. And I, and I really underestimated how powerful that sounded. And I figured out, you know, it is a big deal to people. And so that's kind of shifted the way I saw myself and how I impressed other people and impacted others. In working on that team, uh, Being a woman of color, a lot of times I was the only black female in meetings on the design team. And it is unfortunate that with it being a male dominated workplace, uh, people didn't receive me as uh, with open arms initially until you have to prove yourself. And I felt like every job I moved to, it was the same story. When they look at me, I've been told, you don't look like an engineer. Are you sure you're an engineer? <laughs> you know, you know, just other, other people outside of work. And, and so, and I'm like, well, what does an engineer look like? Uh, I am an engineer and, and uh, engineers can be very well-rounded, you know, and, and I am it, you know, I am the example. And so, but it was still very rewarding to work on that program. Um, I learned a lot, ended up figuring out the uh, final configuration, outer OML of the airplane, which gave the best performance of each variant. And so that was the long, tedious run. I had to basically create the 3D models uh, using a software called ProEngineer and creating drawings and parts were manufactured. And those were the parts that were actually placed inside the wind tunnel. And so there were test engineers that would go collect data on the um, performance of each of those configurations. 
Wow. That is just fascinating. And, and like I'm saying, we you never get tired of hearing about that kind of work. It, it just is so compelling. But I have a question for you. So you started out the conversation uh, when you were younger about being an engineer because you wanted to be able to afford your high fashion lifestyle. <laughs> Could you have imagined then, and even as you were in college, could you have imagined doing what you do now or what you have done now? What is it that you actually thought you would do as an engineer once you decided down that path? Well, a lot of times you're not really sure initially. I just kept speaking it into existence. And as I went through my high school magnet program, that gave me a better idea of what engineering would be like. We would put together like little circuits, um, we had hydraulics and just different series of different aspects of engineering and what that would entail. And I just was excited about what I was learning and being exposed to. And so that really helped to propel me to understand a little bit more about what engineering was about. What really helped me was when I took a design course where I had to create models and drawings. And I particularly was gravitated towards that. And I said, I think this is what I wanna do. I definitely, you know, it was really exciting to me. There's different facets of engineering that you can go into, but that is what I was gravitated to. And so I ended up landing a co-op, which is similar to an internship. Actually, ironically, with Lockheed Martin, it was Laurel Vought Systems at the time in Grand Prairie, Texas. And I went to a career fair at my university and I dressed for success. And the lady pulled me to the side and she said, come talk to me. And so uh, she showed me on the uh, computer the different things that they were doing. And I said, yes, that's what I want to do and ended up landing a co-op with the corporation. And uh, it was Laurel Vought Systems initially, which it merged in 1993 uh, to Lockheed Martin. Uh, missiles and fire control was the business area that I was working in. And then after graduation, they offered me a full-time position to come work for them. That is really, really significant to think about how it is that the initial pull was the magnet program and then in college you just continued to build uh, on your knowledge base but also on the experiential side uh, it's absolutely priceless so let's talk about passion because as we were introducing you there were like i said two sides of this this story here following your passion uh, and then fighting your fears normally i ask our guests about their passion uh, in our first segments but since i knew we were going to focus on that now i held off but but now it's time so gotta ask the question okay how, how do you figure out what your passion is in the first place? You can't follow it if you don't know what it is. Right. Well, I feel that you know what your passion is when the work doesn't feel like work. You could do, you would do it for free and no pay, 
which I have done for the past 20 years, uh, just giving back to the community and using my platform as an engineer to inspire the next generation of engineers and STEM leaders. And so about six years ago, I was asked to take on a stretch assignment, which was very different from my design engineering role. Uh, so what that was, it was a program that existed in this group that I had just joined. They knew that I did a lot of volunteer service outside of work. And so they asked me to join. They said, oh, come to this you know, event. I think you'll really enjoy it and you can um, participate with us. Well, I went and I never looked back. I would volunteer and go to every single event I never missed. Uh, and so they would use pick a pool of people, whoever had time in their day to go to local area schools. And we did an entire STEM day. We had the F-35 cockpit simulators. We had who could build the tallest tower made out of one sheet of paper. We had a trivia STEM game uh, that uh, was STEM related for questions. Just a wide variety of STEM fun, hands-on activities that the students could experience um, and be exposed to engineering and Lockheed Martin. And so when the leader of that program decided he was going to retire, he pulled me to the side and he said, I think you would be great to lead this effort. Um, you could be the face of this program. You know, there are a lot of women and girls that can look to you as an example. You can be the first person that they see when they uh, step into the room. And so I almost said no, because I was very fearful of speaking in front of a crowd. It was not something that I had to do a whole lot in my career, but however, I thought about it and, and most importantly, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, help me to find the strength. I really love doing this type of work. Let me just, you know, please just guide my steps. And so I just took the leap and I just said, yes, I will do it. He said, oh, you'll be fine. Uh, you know, you can just watch me and take some notes. You can put your own spin on it. Um, and then I will get you to come up and do a little segment at a time. And then as you get more comfortable, we'll get you to do more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so during the events, I would take a little bit uh, being at the front uh, where I had to talk about what's an engineer and what I do. And, and so it was very inspiring to just move ahead. And the response that I received from the students was very rewarding. It made me, it energized me to want more. And so, um, and the rest is history there. Wow. And and I'm I'm noticing these headlines, these themes as you're speaking. Uh, you've had the occasion several times for people to pull you aside. Uh, the woman at the career fair pulled you aside because you were dressed for success. You come come see me. Then the um, retiree pulled you aside, and I think that it's really something again to think about how we are in position to be pulled aside. But then, like you said, sometimes you're pulled 
and fear will rise up. So I, I want to talk about fighting the fear, but I want to back up because um, we have something in common, uh, sort of. Uh, I uh, was really humbly honored to be selected as a 2007 Black Engineer of the Year Award winner. And here you are, not only a Black Engineer of the Year Award recipient, but also a Women of Color honoree. So you are a double threat up in here on High Tech Sunday. So talk to us about what was winning those awards like? What did it mean to you? Wow, how I'm going to try to not get emotional here, but winning those awards was very meaningful to me. I um, just do the work. I, I always tell people just do the work and the rewards will come later. And I never really envisioned myself ever truly winning an award for this type of work because I never really saw that happening in, in my community. But after putting in 15 plus years of this type of work on the job and outside the job, people just started to notice. And my vice president, um, I had to put together some engagements for him at his university. And uh, it really opened up a lot of doors for me uh, to, uh, be in a more high visibility position to see my level of work and my passion. I have had so many people walk up to me and tell me, wow, you were born to do this. You, you know, people gravitate to you. Uh, you inspire students. You, your story is believable. What you're telling them is believable and seeing is believing. And so being there for these students and encouraging them along is the true reward is seeing that spark in their eye. Rewards are, and, and trophies are great, but the true reward is hearing a little girl that looks like me say, I want to be an engineer just like you. That is really the true reward, but not to take away from the trophies that you all have uh, given me because I have cried. I have thanked God for blessing me uh, with the honors. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for the work that you have put in to CCG. I do events, so I know how much work that is. I have had the privilege of actually working at Baya with my corporation, Lockheed Martin, in a capacity, uh, in a work capacity. And so to be able to be there and see all of these black professional engineers, military, it was the most empowering event I had ever attended in my life. The, my first time attending was three years ago. And so I am just honored and blessed to have received both of those awards. And I appreciate my vice president for nominating me for both because his his first thought was, well, let's put in the you in the award for both of them with hopes of getting one of them. And God has blessed me with both. And I just could not be more grateful and humbled. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on uh, what is a really, really significant honor. 
And so you were talking about, okay, we, we get it. You have found your passion and uh, you had to early on fight the fear. And so we, we know that folks say things like, if you can't get over your fear, then do it scared. And in the, in the prep for uh, this broadcast, uh, the quote was attributed to Will Smith. Well, I got to let folks know, I've been saying that for years, so he may have got it from me. But the truth of the matter is, you find sometimes people who just can't seem to get past fear. So let's say you've got a, a young person, Ms. Hall, I, I just can't get past this. Or you've got a colleague, Demetria, I, I, I'm, I'm paralyzed. And, and so I say no all the time. How do you do it? How do I get past my fear? I will say to them, you have just got to take the leap, trust God, pray about it, and just have faith in him and yourself. Believe in yourself. That is what helped me. I remember being at an event and something wasn't going quite as well as I wanted to. Some of the technology was glitchy, and I just started praying. I just, I just did. And that, that was just my response to the situation. And I said, God, help me to get through this situation here. And that really uh, calmed me to take, you know, for me to take a step, take a deep breath and to um, help and, and, you know, to get help. And so it just seemed like after I prayed and it just seemed like everything just came into place. And so never underestimate the power of God. When you're feeling fearful, uh, just take a moment and just at, close your eyes and just ask God, just help me to get through this. And, and that has helped me tremendously where I was very, very fearful, whether it was in an interview or uh, running an event or just er in every aspect of my life. It has really helped me to calm my inner spirit. That's well said. And I think that it is a great reminder uh, to anyone, even folks who um, have learned how to do it scared, if you will, to just keep that in mind that the positive outcomes, the positive experience will build on itself. So I'm going to ask one more question and I, I'm looking forward to hearing you and Lango as you engage in the next segment. You took over uh, the program of student engagement. I call it early stage pipelining um, as you uh, were uh, jumping into that, uh, that new opportunity and you overcame your fear. So can you talk to us a little bit about that program and how you have put the hall stamp on it, how you've taken it to the next level? Yes, I have me and my team because in the, you know, there's no I in team we have put our heads together and I just always had a desire for the program to be better. And how can we be better the next time? And, and receiving that feedback, whether it's from students, from administrators at schools, um, universities on how can we serve the needs of the students and to inspire them. And so I just kept working at how can we make it better? And uh, I'll just give one example. The other leader would just do an intro to the students, what's an engineer, and he would show a video about Lockheed Martin's products. 
Well, I ended up changing the video to a more exciting video that had music to it and just uh, a more of a, an appeal to a younger crowd. So I started thinking about uh, my audience more so and trying to uh, accommodate my audience. And then I making it interactive. So what I started doing, I started by, uh, pulling students up to the front. I said, I need five volunteers. And okay, as soon as you start saying things like that, it really gets their attention. So they would come up to the front and we would have this old technology, right? That they had probably never seen. So we had like a 30 year old cell phone, you know, the little mobile phones and bag phones. We had an eight track tape. We had um, a vinyl record and maybe like this Really, so you had you had museum pieces. Yes, just old <laughs> old things, and so it made it a lot of fun. Um, and so I think getting them excited about, you know, looking at older items and tying that in with new innovative products and encouraging them that you can, we need you, future engineers, to come up with how to create this smartphone. And so I would have the smartphone up there. I said. This old bag phone, someone had to design this, and here we are today. So we need you there. And so just coming up with little things like that uh, was really, really took the program to the next level, and their the level of excitement elevated. Awesome. And 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 again, I I look for headlines as as our guests are are sharing their stories. And for me, the headline is how you transfer a young person or or person period, but young people from a consumer mentality to a producer mentality. So not just you have this really cool phone, but how could you make the next generation? How can you produce and take it further? And so uh, that that's so inspirational. And so. I appreciate you uh, giving us that glimpse into uh, that particular program. And I know that there are others that you're involved with, uh, but rather than jump into that, I am going to jump off and hand off to Lango Dean, our co-host. Hey, Lango, how's it going? It's going well, Dr. Vaughn. How about you? I'm doing great, enjoying our time with uh, Demetria Hall today. I'm going to hand it off to keep it going. Thank you. Wonderful. You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Dr. Mark Vaughn, Lango Dean, and our special guest, systems engineer for Lockheed Martin Corporation, Demetria Hall. The deadline for 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference nominations is quickly approaching. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor. to nominate your heroes. Get your nominations in for the Women of Color STEM Conference. The Women of Color STEM Conference is an annual conference focused on empowering women of color in the STEM field. The 26th annual conference will be held on October 7th through the 9th, 2021. Please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process. All peer reviewed nominations are due on April 30th, 2021. All Outstanding Achievement Award nominations are due on May 15th, 2021. Again, please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process.
Again, the window for nominations is closing. So please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more information. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the show, Ms. Hall. It's a pleasure to have you here today. I just enjoy the stories that you have been sharing with Dr. Vaughn. And, um, you know, you also focus, apart from being serving on prestigious programs like the F-35 at Lockheed Martin, you also focus on building future engineers. And I'm sure you know, as you've gone around the country talking to students, that there's a diversity of thought on how students get the skill sets and the educational requirements that they need um, for the jobs that companies like Lockheed Martin are hiring for. So is it possible for you to tell us now, because you talked about what an engineer looks like, what is engineering, what you do as a systems engineer. Can you tell us why a systems engineer needs a mechanical or electrical engineering degree? Because people are coming from community colleges, they're coming straight out of high school, and they're liking the jobs that, they're liking the complex things that are involved in systems engineering. But why do you need a four-year degree in mechanical engineering or electrical engineering to be a systems engineer? Well, first thing I would say is that you don't necessarily need a mechanical or EE, electrical engineering degree to be a systems engineer. That just happened to be my path. I have mostly been mechanical engineering, design engineering, structures, hardware, if you will, type of line of work. Whenever I took over the flight simulation and STEM program, which actually was a stretch assignment that actually evolved into becoming a real project, it was a better fit to be under the systems engineering program or or department. And so that is how I have um, evolved to that title. And so um, I actually started out, my major in school was electrical engineering because that, remember back in high school, it was more electronics technology focused. Once I got to college, I struggled a little bit with the uh, idea of abstract (laughs) uh, aspects of electrical engineering. And I felt that I, once I had a materials course, which my professor happened to be a black professor. He was the only professor at Texas A&M University, the only one <laughs> uh, at that time in, in, in my uh, college track. And so he had a materials course and I really connected with that course. And because it was more hands-on, Uh, tangible, if you will. And so there's different aspects of engineering. I couldn't really see current or electricity going through the wire. And so I felt that having something a little more tangible and hands-on, it was a better fit for me. And so I changed my major to mechanical engineering. For the most part, you really just, if you want to do engineering, you can really select a wide variety of different disciplines. And so there are some people that love coding and uh, programming. When I took a coding class 
it just was not for me. I knew that that was not the direction that I wanted to take, but it was still a, a course requirement. And so there are so many different things you can do in engineering. And so you can just find your niche there and it's, it's okay to change. Um, a lot of times you don't necessarily know exactly what you're going to do until you try to try to do it. And then you say, well, I think I'm going to change up and switch it up to something else. That's wonderful. I like those two tips. Find your niche and it's okay to change. You don't have to get locked in into any particular path. Um, you told us some really inspiring stories uh, about people you met along the way, how uh, your mother made it possible for you to talk to that engineer who worked at the local refinery plant. You also talked about, and Dr. Vaughn um, picked up on that as well, the woman you met at the job fair. And of course, the, the retiree who sort of introduced you was said, well, you know, this is something you can take over. But I mean, there was one story you kind of downplayed. Well, you didn't downplay it, but you, you mentioned it. When people looked at you and said, well, you know, I don't know that you don't look like an engineer. And I think that's one of, it's a very challenging obstacle. You didn't make it sound that way, but it, it is. So how should young people deal with that? when people look at you and think you don't fit? I think the best way to handle that is about your worth ethic. Uh, always have a great worth, work ethic. Uh, it goes a long way, your reputation goes a long way. Yes, there may be some uncomfortable moments initially, but it didn't take very long for them to see the value that I brought to the team. Uh, don't be afraid to speak up in meetings and um, have a voice at the table. Using your voice is key and showing that you can be a contributor to the team is really, really important. And so I will tell you that my education, the school that I selected has saved me many times. <laughs> I remember having an engineer, and this is not a good perception of HBCUs, but I re remember him asking me, well, what school did you go to? And I said, uh, oh, I went to A&M, you know, Texas A&M. And he said, oh, Prairie View A&M. And I was very insulted in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, Prairie View is an awesome engineering school and and it is probably number one if not close to number one in texas right now and so for him to belittle the idea or make it seem like i wasn't maybe good enough to go to texas a m university made me feel very small um however i just told him no i went to texas a m university and the way people perceive and receive that when you tell them that, they automatically think that, oh, okay, well, you had a good education if you went there. If you were able to make it through that, then okay, you're good and you, you probably can come sit at the table. I am trying to my best these days to change that stigma. I have personally engaged at HBCUs MSIs, which are my minority serving institutions, Hispanic serving institutions, and it is a high quality education. 
And so it is my mission (laughs) to move forward, to be a champion for these universities. And that is part of my passion and my mission. That's wonderful. Well, you've been recognized by your sorority, which is, if I get my history right, I think it was founded by women at Howard University, which is one of the top historically black colleges and universities in the country. And you've been recognized by your sorority for all the work that you do within the STEM area. So what would you say to young people who might be considering pledging to a fraternity or sorority? What would you say to them? How did the organization help you in your educational journey? And of course, you are a vital part of it now, but how did it help you back in the day? Well, I would say to a young person who is considering pledging a sorority or a fraternity is that it's not just about wearing letters. Um, It is about sisterhood and service. And it is a lifetime commitment uh, of paying dues and giving back. You have to have a spirit of giving back. And so I encourage if if students are interested in that uh, track, it has been a wonderful opportunity for me. Actually, it groomed me in how to create and execute programs. This is where it started because on campus, we had to create programs, STEM outreach. We had a tutoring program um, and just different things like that. And so um, it has really helped my foundation in running programs like the one I do at work for my flight simulation and STEM program. And so, um, and just trying to understand what works, especially dealing with youth. Their attention span is very short. So you have to figure out a way to grab their attention in an exciting way. And so learning that early on in my journey has really helped me in my career today. That's wonderful. Uh, This is my last question before I turn it back to Dr. Vaughn. And you've mentioned uh, lots of good advice that you've received along the way. The engineer, the, the retiree, but I particularly like the one that your mother gave that first thing to do is find a job that pays fairly well so that you can afford all the nice things that you want in life. But what other good advice did you get along the way? If I could do it over again, I would say to seek mentors. Mentors have been invaluable in helping me navigate through, especially engineering as a Black woman. I didn't do that early on. And I felt at many times alone. Having a sense of belonging is so important. It makes you feel like you fit in. And so I would give advice to seek mentors. They really have helped me to navigate through my career. Seeking mentors, best advice, great advice. Thank you so much, Ms. Hall. It's really been a pleasure talking to you. Now I'm going to hand it back to Dr. Vaughn. Dr. Vaughn? Hey there, Lango. 
It's been really great listening in on the conversation and the career and pipelining is always, I think, exciting to hear about, not only from the perspective of somebody who is just starting out, but uh, there are those of us who are kind of making our way uh, and still picking up on some good advice. So thank you for that. And uh, this is the segment, Demetria, uh, where we say that it's kind of lighthearted and have a little fun, but uh, we do find that sometimes the questions are so provocative that it uh, makes people think, hmm, I never thought about that really. And so I'm going to throw you a curveball here. We hear a lot about superheroes these days. So I want to ask you to think for a minute about yourself as a, a STEM superhero. What is Demetria Hall's superpower? Wow. Uh, what is my superpower? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Um, I will just circle back to the spirit of God being within me. That is what gives me my superpower. I am a mom. <laughs> I am a wife. I'm an engineer. I am a servant to the community. You know, me and my husband run businesses. So maybe Wonder Woman, <laughs> but God gives me the strength from within to be the super person that I try and strive to be every day. <laughs> Love that. And I think that it certainly fits. Before I ask my last question, are there any ways that people can follow you or connect with you either on social media or uh, by other means if they're interested in continuing to kind of enjoy the tips uh, that you're sharing or perhaps learn more about the program that you are uh, programs that you are involved with yes they can i'm going to give my company a plug because uh, a lot of times youth and students are looking for jobs. That's usually the first question. How can I work for Lockheed Martin and be an engineer like you? So I'm gonna give a plug. Um, jobs are posted at LockheedMartinJobs.com. Hiring season is typically when a lot of the internships come available. It's usually around posted around August timeframe. And so that's gonna be coming up in a, in a few months. You know, the positions will be there. Get on social media. Lockheed Martin has a Facebook presence. We have a Twitter and an Instagram. So look for Lockheed Martin on those platforms. And a lot of times there's announcements of scholarships that we provide. Uh, Lockheed Martin gives many scholarships. We even have vocational scholarships now because we are going to need a workforce to do hands-on work and putting our airplanes together. And so they're offering either scholarships for vocational tracks. And so I encourage uh, students to look on those platforms. I can be personally found on LinkedIn. Uh, again, my name is Demetria Hall and I'm with Lockheed Martin. And so I should be easy to find there if you want to connect with me personally. Great. And we certainly encourage folks to do just that. Your broadcast is the last High Tech Sunday for Women's History Month 2021. So I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind sharing as we go uh, a few words of encouragement that you think would inspire and empower 
not just the females in the audience, all of us, but especially the women uh, who are listening right now as they are thinking about their future, how would you encourage them? I would encourage them to be your authentic self. Never compromise who you are to please others. Now, you do need to show up professionally and all of those things, but be yourself. Be comfortable in your skin. For some of the students out there, I wanted to, to encourage them to never give up. Grades do matter. Um, it's never too early to think about your career and what you'd like to do. Seek out your local youth programs in your area and get try to get that exposure. It will give you an idea of what it's like to be involved with a STEM career by doing STEM activities. If, if it's something that you really like, you can learn from those programs. And just try to remain focused and as you move on your way. And most importantly, keep God first. He has been my foundation in every aspect of my life. Wow. That is definitely a drop the mic right there. Demetria Hall, it has been such a pleasure having the opportunity to spend some time with you today. And on behalf of Lango Dean and everybody here at High Tech Sunday, we certainly thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I am truly honored that you invited me into your space to help inspire the next generation. You're quite welcome. Brandon Newby, I'm going to hand it back to you to see us out. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students, and this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the Bay of Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time.